1: You're listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team, with the UK's best-selling Science and Technology Monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store. Hello and welcome to the Science Focus podcast. I'm Sarah Rigby, online assistant at BBC Science Focus magazine. In the new year issue, we cover the biggest ideas that you need to understand in 2021. Over the next few episodes, we'll be talking to the experts who will explain these ideas in their own words. First up, we have science writer Marcus Chown, who is going to tell us all about the major problems in our current understanding of cosmology. First of all, can you please just explain to us what exactly is cosmology?
0: Well, cosmology is really the the ultimate science because it's the science which deals with the origin, the evolution and ultimate fate of the universe. So really it is the most uh, daring of all sciences. <laughs>
1: um, so what is the standard model of cosmology? What What do we currently understand about the way our universe was formed?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, that's based on the Big Bang theory. So there is abundant evidence that our universe began in a hot, dense phase about what we think 13.82 billion years ago um, and has been expanding and cooling ever since. And that evidence is all around us. Uh, When we look at the universe and the galaxies, which are the building blocks of the universe, we see that they're pretty much all flying away from us like pieces of cosmic shrapnel in the aftermath of a titanic explosion if you and if you run that that uh, expansion backwards like a movie in reverse you do come to a time as i say about 13.82 billion years ago when everything was compressed into a tiny volume very very small volume and when you squeeze anything in a small volume it gets hot so if you squeeze the air in a bicycle pump you you know it gets hot so the big bang was very very hot it was blisteringly hot it was like the fireball of a nuclear explosion. And that, that that light, that heat, had absolutely nowhere to go because it was bottled up in the universe, which by definition is all there is. So it's all around us today, greatly cooled by the expansion of the universe. And this afterglow of the Big Bang, we call the cosmic background radiation. And incredibly, it accounts for 99.9% of all the photons. That's all the particles of light in the universe are tied up in this afterglow. Uh, and we didn't spot it until 1965. We didn't spot it because <laughs> it's mostly microwaves, which are a form of light that, you know, your, your microwave oven uses or your mobile phone uses, but you can't see with the naked eye. But uh, it was discovered in 1965. And this heat afterglow is, is really the main piece of evidence that, that the universe began in a Big Bang. But... So we have this idea. So the Big Bang theory, is, as, uh, to recap, is simply that the universe began in this titanic explosion. It was hot and dense. The universe expanded and cooled. And out of the cooling debris, there congealed the galaxies, um, about two trillion of them, uh, among which is our own Milky Way galaxy. So that's the Big Bang. But the problem with the Big Bang theory is that it, it contradicts our observations of the universe in quite a few major ways. So because of that, we've had to bolt on new bits onto the basic Big Bang theory uh, to make the standard uh, model of cosmology.
1: So uh, I'd just like to go back to something you mentioned just now, which is that you said that uh, we know that the Big Bang happened because we can see that all the galaxies seem to be speeding away from us. Does that mean that then we are in the centre of the universe?
0: Well, that's a very good question, because that would be the obvious conclusion, really. But it turns out that isn't the case. Uh, and the thing about the, the the Big Bang expansion, which is described by Einstein's theory of gravity, which he came up with in 1915, he applied his theory of gravity within about a year to the entire universe, the biggest uh, gravitating mass that he could think of. Uh, and in that theory, what actually happens is that the space between the galaxies just get greater and greater and greater. And this is the space between every galaxy and every other galaxy. So were we to sit on Andromeda, the nearest galaxy to us, or some other galaxy 10 billion light years away, we would see from that point of view every other galaxy flying apart. I mean, you probably, uh, you know, you, you can't get a direct analogy, but in uh-huh. astronomy books very often um, they'll make the analogy with a, a rising cake with raisins in it you know as the, as the cake rises and expands every raisin recedes from every other raisin and if you could shrink yourself down to the size of a raisin you would well obviously <laughs> it's difficult to see through the cake, a cake <laughs> mixture but you see, see every other raisin would be moving away from you and not only that the further the, the way the raisin would be from you the faster it would be moving And that's exactly what we see. We call it the Hubble law because it was discovered by the American astronomer Edwin Hubble in 1929.
1: So I'd just like to uh, go for one of the other uh, obvious questions about the Big Bang, is that if the universe is expanding, what is it expanding into?
0: Yeah, well, again, we are completely... uh, We are really suffer from the fact that there is no everyday analogy between the universe and well there is no everyday analogy for the universe because basically the universe is a four-dimensional thing and we we only have experience of three dimensions so every single analogy we use whether it's a rising cake or whatever there's always going to be um it's not going to be perfect so for instance with the rising cake people would say well what about the edge of the rising cake well the universe may not have an edge you know, it may be infinite. What, what Einstein's theory describes is a universe which is either contracting or expanding. It appears as is expanding. And where the space between every single galaxy is increasing, it says nothing about the edge. The universe could be infinite in extent and still expanding, or it could curve back on itself. So it would be like the three-dimensional equivalent of the surface of a ball. Uh, and in fact, the, the current, um, in, in, according to the, the standard model of cosmology, which includes uh, an ingredient called inflation, the universe could easily be infinite in extent. So really, the, the problem we have is that the, our theory of gravity doesn't actually, descri- doesn't actually talk about any edge. It just describes a general expansion, and it could be of an infinite universe.
1: You just mentioned a period of inflation. Uh, what was that?
0: Well, earlier on, I mentioned that there are several, in fact, three major contradictions between the basic Big Bang idea and what we observe. And for each of those, we have to uh, tag on something, uh, we have to bolt on something onto the theory. So it's a really rickety, the standard model of cosmology is a really rickety theme. So it's really, my the article I'm writing about is, is about a contradiction, another yet another contradiction. So it's not, not really a surprise that we're going to find these contradictions because we know it's a rickety theory and there's got to be a better one out there. But one of the things we bolt on is inflation. And in fact, you've picked on the most complicated of all the three things to actually explain. Because <laughs> one of the problems uh, that we find... Uh, when we look out at the universe we see that it's pretty uniform in every direction and more than that the the cosmic background radiation is afterglow of the big bang it's, it's very cool now i should tell you it's about minus 270 degrees celsius three degrees above abs- the, the, the lowest temperature possible but everywhere we look in the sky it's perfectly even it's exactly that te- pretty much exactly that temperature uh, everywhere so this creates a problem because if we run the movie of the universe backwards you know that run expansion backwards to the big bang we discover that parts of the universe you know for instance which may which maybe in opposite direction today early on in the big bang were not in contact with each other so there was no possibility of a, a signal going between them at the speed of light so if there's nothing could travel between them how could they know about each other's temperature? How could they have kept the same temperature? You know, uh, and so this, this, in order to explain this anomaly, we have to assume that the universe was a lot smaller earlier on than we naively think by running that movie backwards, okay? So what we think is that the universe underwent, uh, and if it was much smaller, then regions which today are very far apart and are at the same temperature, were in contact and so could have equalised their temperature. So what we we imagine is that there was this super-fast uh, expansion, where the universe started off much smaller than we, we, we would naively expect. There was this super-fast expansion, which we call inflation. It was actually driven by the vacuum, that what we call the quantum vacuum, which incredibly had repulsive gravity. So this is a really weird idea. Uh, and it's... Uh, the, the universe inflated tremendously fast in its first split second, and then when inflation ran out of steam, the the kind of sedate expansion that we see today took over. So inflation has been likened to a hydrogen bomb explosion, compared to the stick of dynamite of the Hubble, or what we call the the cosmic expansion we see today. So this is a really weird thing. So we've tagged on this period of inflation to explain what we call the horizon problem, which is why the temperature of the universe is the same everywhere. We've tagged on inflation, but I should tell you that we don't understand any of the microscopic physics of inflation. We think it was driven by some as yet undiscovered field called the inflaton. And 40 years after the uh, after inflation was proposed, we still do not understand the basic physics of that. So, uh, but you know, this is a this is a this is a tremendous thing we're doing. You know, we we are uh-huh. we we came down from the trees, God knows how many million years ago, <laughs> onto the African plain. We have a brain, you know, which is three pounds of jelly and water. <laughs> and yet, we've actually speculated on the—you the, know—that the, the, uh, we have a theory of the universe, and we can speculate on its origin. So, I mean, I, I think we ought to be uh, pat ourselves on a bit on the back, and uh, perhaps not worry too much that that our, our theory has a lot of holes in it, <laughs> because it turns. out... <laughs> That we, we believe that the universe began in an unusual state of the vacuum. So we have, we have a, it's an odd idea. We think of vac- the vacuum as, as empty. But ever mm-hmm. since the 1920s, when there arose what we call quantum theory, which is our theory of the microscopic world of atoms, we've discovered that um, empty space is not empty. It's seizing with microscopic particles popping into existence and popping out again. And there's a possibility that the vacuum has a higher energy or higher energy states, just like an atom has high, uh, higher and higher energy states. So we believe that the universe began in this, what we call inflationary vacuum, which was of high, high energy or with an enormous amount of energy concentrated in it. Um, and this, this vacuum had a very unusual property. It had repulsive gravity. And its repulsive gravity caused this inflationary vacuum to expand. And as you got more and more of this stuff, you had more repulsion, so it expanded faster and faster. Now, this vacuum contained no matter at, the, at that time. It just contained energy, and it expanded faster and faster and faster. Uh, but it was what we call a quantum thing, and, and quantum things are inherently unpredictable. And all over this ever-expanding uh, quantum vacuum, chunks started decaying into normal vacuum, so you can imagine like i don't know imagine a um, a, a coat being eaten by moths, you know so all over this 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 uh, this high energy vacuum was being eaten away, and in the places where it was eaten away, it decayed into normal vacuum, so that's the everyday vacuum that we see around us and um, that that the, the energy of this inflationary vacuum had to go somewhere and it went into creating matter and heating it to a blisteringly high temperature. So it, it, it went into created big, creating big bangs. So in this picture, we have this ever-inflating, ever-faster-inflating inflation, inflationary, inflationary vacuum, and all over it, tiny little bubbles of normal vacuum are forming in which there are big bang universes. And we live in one of those big bang bubbles in the ever-inflating inflationary vacuum now it, it turns out you only need about a kilogram of uh, an inflationary vacuum with about a kilogram of mass energy to start this whole process and our laws of physics quantum theory do allow matter to appear out of nothing so there is the possibility <laughs> that our universe <laughs> simply a chunk of uh, inflationary vacuum popped out of nothing and began expanding and created everything that we see around us because the net energy wow. of our universe is zero. The net energy of our universe is zero, incredibly. When you look at the 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 mass, the kinetic energy in, in all the fly, galaxies flying apart, and then you look at the gravitational energy binding it all together, it turns out that our universe has a net energy of zero. So it didn't actually take a lot to create it. So that's a weird, uh, weird thing. <laughs> but, the, but the next question is, of course, if, infl- if inflation preceded the Big Bang, what, you know, what started inflation or, or could inflate? It, it turns out that inflation could not have started in the eternal past. So it, 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 it cannot have started. It has to have started at some point. So we, we, in a way, we're push, pushing that that origin question backwards. I think I'm, <laughs> I, I gave you too much of an explanation. I, I, I tied, no, no, myself in not, tied myself in knots. <laughs>
1: So I would just like to pick up on one one thing that you said though So in your analogy of the moth holes in a coat, so our entire universe could just be one of many of these moth holes, one of many universes.
0: Exactly, exactly. But not only that, all those other moth holes are forever out of contact with us because the inflationary vacuum is just expanding faster and faster and faster, and no 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 light could ever reach us. So they would be forever out of contact with us. Um, but within our bubble. There could be an infinity of universes like ours wow. because within our because we don 't see the whole of our bubble, we only see out to a horizon around our bubble, so the universe, because the universe was born, so because the universe was born let 's say fourteen billion years ago, we can only see the light from the galaxies that has taken less than fourteen billion years to get to us um, because the universe expanded faster than light in the beginning. The edge of the universe is about 42 billion light years away. So it began 14 billion years ago, but the edge is about 42 billion light years away. Uh, But over that, so so around the the edge of our uh, universe, like a a, a membrane around a soap bubble is this horizon. Think of it again as like a horizon at the sea. We know there's more of the ocean over the horizon at sea. We know there's more of the universe over our horizon. I mean, every year, more of the universe comes over the horizon because the horizon expands. So according to inflation, there could be an infinite amount of the universe beyond our horizon. So if you imagine all of our, uh, everything we see, our our two trillion galaxies in our little bubble, it could be that there are an infinite number of other bubbles beyond ours, all within this giant moth hole. <laughs> so you do... Wow. In, in, in it, in, it does seem quite incredible, doesn't it, really, um, the, the picture that we created. But, but I suppose the, 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 the thing to take home is that we don't believe that the Big Bang was a one-off. You know, we believe that, 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 that if, if inflation is correct, these kind of Big Bang universes were spawned all over this inflationary vacuum. So that's a slightly different picture because people say, well, what happened before the Big Bang? Um, and there were other big bangs going off right across this vacuum. <laughs> if you could even talk about time, because then you may not be able to talk about time in this in this, uh, you know, before the big bang, because we think that time itself was born along with space and matter and energy in the big bang.
1: So, what does that mean in a physical sense? Uh, time was created. How how can time be created?
0: Well, who knows? I mean, you know, now, now, now you're going from. Deep questions to even deeper questions. I mean, <laughs> according to the Big Bang solutions of Einstein's theory of gravity, you know, time does begin at that point. But but again, if you want to ask what is time, that that's um, um, something that I've tried to answer in the next article I've written for Science Focus see <laughs> But but we're we're really at sea. Went there. We, we're pretty certain that time, as we perceive it, does not exist. So, for instance, we're all, every, every, um, everything that we commonly think about time is probably not correct. I mean, we probably think there's a flow of time. But when you think about it, something only flows with respect to something else. So, you know, a river only flows with respect to a riverbank. So, if time flows, it must be it must flow with respect to something else, maybe a second type of time. So, the minute you start thinking about things like, like that, you begin to realize how ridiculous it is. And we we think that again, if you imagine the expansion of the universe running backwards, um, the the it, the universe would not shrink down in a in a very in a uniform way because matter is not spread uniformly around the universe. So, as you got very close to the big crunch, which is kind of a mirror image of the Big Bang, the, the the variations in density of the universe would get greater and greater and greater. So the variations in gravity would get greater and greater. In effect, space and time would be torn apart. So we're pretty certain that space and time did not actually exist at the very beginning. And they somehow emerged from something more fundamental. And really, thats that is the big problem in physics today, to find out what what did what was the more fundamental thing that that space and time emerged from but of course we don't know
1: <laughs> okay thank you so inflation you said was one of the three problems with our big bang theory that we need to bolt extra bits on to make it make sense so what are the other two
0: fortunately the other two are a lot easier to explain <laughs> i mean one one of them is that well Look at the contradictions between um, the standard model and or, or the big bang and what we observe and and, and a major major um, contradiction is that the theory predicts that we shouldn 't be having this conversation okay so it predicts that we shouldn 't exist, which is a pretty critical problem <laughs> with the big bang theory and the reason for that is that we we, we believe that the universe Started off pretty much uni- pretty uniform. We 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 can see from the the cosmic background radiation, the afterglow of the Big Bang, it's pretty uniform around the sky. That was coming from matter very soon after the universe began. Uh, so we know that that, that that it was pretty smoothly um, spread matter. We know it wasn't perfectly smoothly spread, and, and a Nobel Prize has gone for finding the slight variations in this background radiation and we believe that those variations were caused by quantum processes during the inflation era so a lot earlier than that but these these um, variations were really tiny like about one a few parts in a hundred thousand something like that so basically these the slight there was a slight lumpiness a slight Tiny clumpiness in the material that emerged from the Big Bang, and the clumps which were uh, had slightly more matter. They had slightly more gravity, so they dragged in more material, and it's a kind of a process uh, akin to the rich getting ever richer. You know, so the, the, the and this is how galaxies were formed. So the galaxies like our own Milky Way. But when you do the calculations, you find that you need much, much longer than the thirteen point eight two billion years the universe has been in existence. To make a galaxy like the milky way you need something like 10 times as long so something has to have speeded up galaxy formation and the best bet is that there's there's other matter in the universe okay so there's there's currently we think that, that there is this stuff called dark matter okay it, it doesn't give out any light or it certainly doesn't give out enough light for us to currently detect but it has a gravitational effect and this stuff uh, would have with its own gravity, would have speeded up galaxy formation, so basically the dark matter would, would clump and it would then pull in the visible stars or, or material that made stars afterwards so uh, so that 's a universe really in which basically is mostly dark matter, kind of like uh, thinking of them as mountains, and the a mountain range and the, uh, the the visible stuff is like the frosting of snow on the mountains that 's all it is so we 've come to this idea that most of the universe is invisible. Um, And then the third, third, so we have have to bolt on dark matter. We bolted on inflation. We have to bolt on dark matter onto the basic model. And the third thing is dark energy. Uh, In 1998, contrary to all expectations, we discovered that the expansion of the universe is speeding up. Now, you would expect it would be slowing down because the only force we... Knew that was operating on the large scale in the universe was gravity, and gravity okay. is like an invisible web of elastic, you know, joining all the galaxies and, and kind of breaking the expansion. So we expected that when we when we look back in time, we would see that this, the acceleration that sorry the the universe was expanding faster in the past and it would be slowing down its expansion. But we found that it's in fact speeding up. So we've had to postulate the existence of this stuff called dark energy, which is fills all of space. It's invisible and it's got repulsive gravity and its repulsive gravity is speeding up the expansion of the universe. Now, immediately people say, "Okay, didn't inflation have a vacuum with repulsive gravity? Yes, it does. So that's really weird. The universe started out with a vacuum state with repulsive gravity that that triggered cosmic expansion. That vanished. And then it turns out something like about five billion years ago, this other stuff with repulsive gravity took over the expansion. It, it gained control of the universe. So a big question would be, could there possibly be a connection between these two? They both have exactly the same property. So um, the dark energy accounts for two-thirds of the mass energy of the universe. So unbelievably, until basically 30 years ago, yeah, 32 years ago, we had missed the major mass component of the universe. So adding up all these, so, so basically the standard model is the Big Bang. The universe began in a hot, dense phase. Has been expanding and cooling ever since. The galaxies congealing out of that debris. Then we bolt on inflation, super fast expansion at very early on. Uh, and then we bolt on dark matter. We need six times as much of that as we have ordinary matter that makes up atoms and you and me and the stars and then we bolt on dark energy which accounts for two-thirds the mass of the universe so when you add all these other components they account for more than 95 percent of the mass of the universe so basically the stars and galaxies that we see are only about less than five percent of the mass of the universe and incredibly we've only seen half of those because a lot of the lot of the normal matter is in the form of very hot or very cold gas between the galaxies that we can't see with our telescopes, so we really have only seen two and a half percent of the universe. So we, you can see that although we've made an awful lot of progress, it's a pretty shocking position to be in. I mean, imagine if Darwin had um, was come, trying to come up with a theory of biology, and he only knew about elephants and I don't know. Um, oak trees you know, you, did, you didn't know about insects and you didn't know about fish and you didn't know about all these other things well cosmologists are kind of in that position where they built this fantastic edifice uh, their standard model of cosmology um, based on the two and a half percent that they can actually see and the other components are really just an admission of their ignorance so we know that dark energy accounts for i can tell you exactly actually it accounts for 68.3 percent of the mass of the universe and we know that dark matter accounts for 26.8 percent of the universe and we know the ordinary matter that we're we're made of is only 4.9 percent of the universe wow so um but we don't actually know what the dark matter is and we don't actually know what the dark energy is so there's obviously okay. something wrong. I, I, I just tell you one last thing about dark energy, and that is that it's it's we think it's a property of the vacuum, the empty space. So this it's kind of springy. Empty space is kind of <laughs> springy. We don't know why, but when we use the best theory to predict what the energy of empty space should be, which is quantum theory, um, we get a number which is one followed by 120 zeros, bigger than what we observe. So that's the oh, biggest wow. biggest discrepancy uh, between uh, a prediction and observation in the history of science. So <laughs> they're probably telling us that there's something wrong with our picture.
1: <laughs> so what we've got our uh, Big Bang model, and we've added on dark matter and dark energy and inflation, and it still doesn't explain everything.
0: Not at all, no, because basically <laughs> dark matter and dark energy are just names, labels, for things we don't understand. We know something basic about dark energy. We know that it has this repulsive gravity. Uh, we know something basic about uh, dark matter. You know, we, we know how much of it there is. And we know that it has to be there because we can't explain the existence of our own galaxy, the Milky Way, without it. So, but beyond that, we don't really know what, what they are. I mean, dark matter, I mean, we... Um, We've been hunting for dark matter for a long time and we've experiments on the Earth because it doesn't interact via, it doesn't give out light. That means it doesn't interact by what we call the electromagnetic force. So everything, you know, everything on Earth interacts by the electromagnetic force. I mean, when you try and touch something, I don't know, you touch a table, you don't actually touch the table. The electromagnetic force from the, the electrons in your thumb reaches out and it's repelled by the electromagnetic force from the table so if you don't have that interaction there's no way to detect it really except to if it just runs into you so a lot of experiments have been set up in mines all around the the, 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 you know around the globe hoping that a a piece of dark matter will just bump into the experiment and give it a kick Um, then of course we've hoped also that we would I should, I should say, there are many possible um, candidates for the dark matter, and um, mostly the candidates are subatomic, subatomic particles that haven't been discovered or that are predicted by certain theories. And cynically, as someone with an astronomy background, I'd say that's because there are more particle physicists than there are astronomers, because it's still possible that the dark matter could be in the form of primordial black holes, something like black holes that were f- formed from the uh, the Big Bang, left over from the Big Bang, pr- not produced by uh, stars which explode and their cores collapse, but, but left over from the Big Bang. It's still possible there are some mass windows that are still open. Um, but most physicists believe that the dark matter is some kind of uh, subatomic particle, uh, and you may have heard of the term WIMP, which is weakly intera- interacting massive particle. Basically, this is a massive particle up, up to maybe 100 times the mass of the proton that doesn't interact via light. Um, and the reason that, that these, these particles are so popular is that there is a speculative theory of particle physics, physics called supersymmetry, uh, which does predict the existence of these. Basically, every particle has a has another particle with a different kind of spin. So the electron has a uh, a partner called a selectron, and the neutrino has a particle called a sneutrino. Uh, and these these are the you know because of this, uh, this is a very um, attractive theory of particle physics. These have been the prime candidates for the dark matter. The problem is that they were expected to appear at the Large Hadron Collider by now. So that's the giant atom smasher, which uh, straddles the border between France and uh, Switzerland, uh, where the Higgs particle, you may have heard, was found in 2012. But there's been no sign of supersymmetry. And physicists haven't quite given up, but they're getting quite (laughs) demoralised. So other candidates are coming forward. There's a thing called an axion. Um, There could be another type of neutrino called a sterile neutrino. uh, Or we might be completely wrong. I mean, it could be um, that that there is no dark matter, but there is something wrong with our theory of gravity. So when we look at uh, another um, well-known place where we see evidence of dark matter is in the rotation of spiral galaxies. So our galaxy, uh, when we look at the uh, spiral galaxies like our own, we see the stars in the outer regions are circling far, far too fast. You know, like children on a speeded-up merry-go-round. They should they should spin <laughs> off into space. They don't. So, in most spiral galaxies, you need at least ten times more invisible stuff whose gravity is holding on to that uh, those stars than visible stuff. So, there's evidence uh, for 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 dark matter there. But and uh, 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 equally a viable alternative would be that the gravity gravity on the very large scales or or in the outer regions of galaxies is stronger than we would expect from Einstein's theory and there's been great resistance to that idea because the Einstein's theory is so elegant and people don't want to mutilate it but that's an equal that's equally possible
1: <laughs> okay so uh this, this whole standard uh, model of cosmology, we call it Lambda CDM, don't we?
0: We do, yes.
1: So this Lambda CDM model, uh, as you mentioned in your article, still has some big problems with it. Could you take us through what those problems are, please?
0: Okay, well, the problem with Lambda CDM is, is first and foremost, by even, but before I even start, I should tell you that the problems are we actually don't know what dark matter is, and we don't know what dark energy is. <laughs> And we don't know the details of inflation. So even at the beginning, we, we don't know what 95% of the universe is. So that's actually a major problem. And that tells you that the theory is good, but it's clearly not the theory. You know, there's, there, uh-huh. we need a seamless theory in which dark energy and dark matter and all these things are all seamlessly uh, described and we haven't got that we just have this botched theory in which we just have the big bang we bolted on all these things so it's not a surprise that we found yet more contradictions and these um, one of them in particular is really exercising cosmologists and it's called the the Hubble tension. So the universe is expanding, and we describe how fast it's expanding by what we call the Hubble constant, and that tells you basically how much faster a galaxy is moving than another galaxy if it's a, if it's a, what we call a megaparsec further away. It's a three million light years further away. How much? This gives us a, an idea of, of how fast it's expanding. So we can measure that today. Um, when we look at objects flying away from us, we can measure what the, that speed is, that Hubble constant is. But we also have a second way of measuring because the cosmic background radiation is basically a treasure trove of cosmological information. Because when when it was formed, uh, the universe didn't have any galaxies or anything. It was just this. It was just this fluid of this hot fluid of subatomic particles, electrons and protons and helium nuclei and, uh, and photons particles of light uh and you can imagine it, it's just like a a, a fluid like a sloshing about like water sloshing about in the bath and if you think imagine water sloshing around in the bath you know you can get one hummock you can get two hummocks you can get you can get a whole range of different slot what we call sloshing modes and we see these across the the um, Cosmic background radiation as variations in the temperature, what we call cosmic ripples, and from them we can deduce major cosmological um, parameters. So you know now. Now we, we we very often say that the universe is well. I just told you that the universe was sixty eight point three percent dark energy, twenty six point eight percent dark matter, and four point nine percent ordinary matter. Well, that is precision cosmology. All of those numbers come from examining these sloshing modes, these temperature variations of the afterglow of the Big Bang. And we can also deduce what the expansion rate was when that radiation was Broke free of matter, which was about 380,000 years after the Big Bang. That's where the cosmic background radiation comes from. And we can, then, we can then extrapolate that that expansion speed to the present day because we know how much matter there was in the universe. Its gravity would have been breaking the expansion of the universe. We then know that dark energy took over and began speeding up the universe's uh, expansion about five um, billion years ago, just before the Earth was born. Um, and then we get this discrepancy. We find that the universe is expanding about 10% faster than it should have been according to what the cosmic background radiation tells us. So there's an internal consist- inconsistency in the theory. Now, before we, we think this is really significant, we should I should tell you that measuring the expansion rate today is very, very hard. Measuring it from the cosmic background radiation is really, really easy. Uh, but, but to measure it in today's universe you literally have to know the distance to objects because uh, and and that is very very hard so we have to find what we call standard candles so we have to find things like uh, pulsating stars supernovae these are exploding stars to which we believe have a standard brightness and so when we look at them across the universe they would be like a you know a string of hundred watt light bulbs so if we see a hundred watt light bulb that's Half as bright as another one we know it's twice as far away. that kind of thing uh-huh. um, and so those that, that, so there's a lot of uncertainty, however multiple research teams who have measured the, the, the size of the universe and the expansion rate of the universe have all come to pretty much the same conclusion and it, that the expansion is 10% bigger than it should be. So that that is, that is a real problem. If this holds up, then it's a real problem. But we would expect some kind of paradox like this because we know that the theory is not perfect. We know that it's a botched job. And in fact, paradoxes like this are fantastically important they are what 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 physicists dream of you know at the turn in 1900 all of what we call classical physics was was perfect and and great physicists of the day like lord kelvin said that we only needed to effectively cross the t's and dot the i's we, we basically have come to the end of physics but there was one observation and it was the observation of the light the, the way the light varied with with temperature in a furnace, and we we call that black body radiation. And this one anomaly led to a revolution in physics, quantum theory, and us recognizing that everything that we'd learned before was actually incorrect, that, that quantum theory was correct. We live in a quantum universe, and the classical physics that came before was only an approximation; it wasn't correct. So we look for these tiny little uh, anomalies. Now, why why could the universe be speeding up fa- faster? Well, there's, there's there's possibilities. We don't know anything about the dark matter. Um, it's it's a kind of a weird assumption of physicists that it's going to be made of one type of particle. But when we look at the the visible universe, we see that it's very complex. You know, there's ninety two different elements. Um, you know, the, the, those are made of of several different types of quark and electron. You know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff. Why could the the dark universe not be made of lots of stuff that maybe interacts by dark forces, you know? So we have dark atoms and dark planets and dark stars and maybe dark life, who knows? So that's that's a possibility. Another possibility is that the dark matter consists of particles, some of which have decayed since the Big Bang. So they've decayed into light into photons and if that happens then there'll be less matter around and the matter is ultimately you know it's gravity was what was breaking the universe's expansion so if less of that around there'll be less breaking of expansion and the universe could expand a bit faster but it seems that it doesn't matter what you do you can't resolve this tension because the trouble is this standard picture fits pretty much everything we see so it tells us how galaxies form, and 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 this it, it's kind of like it's got it's got lots of interlocking pieces. And if you change the picture in one way, you might solve, you might think you've solved this this what we call Hubble tension between the you know the universe is expanding ten percent faster than it should. But then you find that you've you've unfixed something else. So now you can't make galaxies. So it seems that this tension is so great that that if it's real, we won't easily be able to resolve it without some revolution in our thinking so some completely new model of cosmology some completely something as as radically different as quantum theory was from the physics that came before it
1: so do you think the big bang theory uh is something that you know we're going to keep or or do you think eventually we're just going to ditch it and say well that's not working so clearly you know we'll find something better that it explains it better
0: Well, again, you have have to be ever so careful here because in science, words change. So once upon a time, the universe meant the 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 sun and the six visible planets, you know. And then later, beginning in the twentieth century, it began to mean the the band of stars we could see across the sky, which we now know is the Milky Way. And then later in the twenties, we realised that that's only one galaxy among two trillion others, others. So the word universe has kept changing and we have to remember that the word big bang keeps changing as well so the big bang theory is really that in its most simple form is that the universe began in this hot dense phase you know this explosion expanded and and, and, and galaxies formed out of the cooling debris but all these things have been tagged on and we also call so now we call the big bang theory the big bang plus inflation so that you know when you say uh, and, and we call the big bang theory Inflation plus all these other things, inflation plus dark matter, whatever. So you have to you have to say, what do you mean? What what do you think is going to be overthrown? <laughs> you think this? It, it could be if we're talking about the standard model of cosmology. Yes, it will be because it is incomplete, in exactly the same way that we have a standard model of particle physics, which explains that everything's made of effectively two quarks and one le- what we call a lepton, electron. Um, there are some other there are some other uh, heavier quarks and heavier leptons as well. We can describe all of them, and we can describe how they interact by a, by a three forces. But the theory does not tell us why the three forces have the strength they have, and why the particles have the masses they have. So that tells us that there's something massively missing from our theory, and that there is a better theory out there that explains those things. So similarly. We have this standard model of cosmology, which has got lots of holes in it. You know, so we have a we have a name, we have a we have a thing, uh, dark matter, which is basically a word for our ignorance, and we have dark <laughs> matter, or dark, which is another word for our ignorance. Um, but we are hoping that that we'll get a better theory, which will tell us what dark matter is, dark energy is, and how they fit together.
1: Are you confident that this is a problem that we're ever going to solve?
0: I'm not confident because, um, you know, now we're now now we're really really asking philosophical questions. Is it possible uh, for the universe to understand itself? Because basically, we are part of the universe. We are made of the stuff that the universe is made of. Is it possible for us to understand it? I mean, this is this is another question. Like, is the can the brain understand the brain? Well, the brain can understand the brain because it isn't just one brain understanding the brain you know there there are multiple thousands of researchers all over the world trying to understand the brain so that problem could probably be solved although it's probably going to be hundreds of years in the in the future can the universe be understood completely by its occupants i don't really know i mean ultimately um difficult philosophical question because when we do science we tend to be able to do experiments and we do other experiments to confirm the results of those experiments and that's or refute them and that's how science advances how do you do that when you only have one example you know this is this is a real problem and the theory as well has spawned something even worse which is the multiverse so when i talked to you earlier about the uh, in, ever inflating inflationary vacuum and these little bubbles of ordinary vacuum forming in it uh, big bang universes as is just one of those and those others are completely out of out of uh, touch with us so we can never you know we can never know what's happening for sure in these other bubbles so that means that there are domains of of, of physics beyond what we can actually observe um, and that is very philosophically very difficult for 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 science. How, how do we actually? How do we? Um, you know, most of what, what what we most of what's out there we can't ever observe. Can we actually have a, a coherent theory about it?
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Science Focus podcast. That was Marcus Chown talking about the cracks in our understanding of cosmology. The New Year issue of BBC Science Focus magazine is on sale on the 29th of December. Pick up a copy to find out about even more of the ideas you need to know in 2021, including virtual reality therapy, what rewilding the planet will do for the climate, and how viruses can save lives. Thank you for listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling Science and Technology Monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store.